Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. It's good to have this opportunity to assemble on the first day of the week. To meditate on those things that are most important to be reminded of the relationship that we share with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank uh, Brother Bob for the reading this morning and and Brother Ian for uh, leading that song as both of those um, kind of dovetail into our lesson this morning. We've been studying about the life of David for the past uh, several months, and we're going to bring that to a conclusion today. Um, and uh, the, the title of the, the sermon this morning is, is Parting Words. So these are, we're going to talk about the closing words of David, and a part of his closing words were that prayer that uh, Brother Bob led. And uh, as they were preparing to build the temple, and they were all the people were giving to participate in the building of the temple. And, the, and he, he talks about how all of those things, although they gave them willingly, they came from God. And that all things were from God. And, and you know, David's recognition of God's providence um, and the place that he played in, in God's plan for our salvation. And, and you know, the... When we study the Old Testament, we talk about that the New Testament talks about the things in the Old Testament were a shadow of things to come, but the body that cast the shadow was Christ. And you know, so the theme of the Bible from beginning to end is Jesus Christ. We read back in the beginning about man's fall to sin, and then from there forward, it's God's, it's God's plan of redemption and how he brought that to fruition in Jesus Christ. And so when we look back at the life of David, we see many shadows of Christ in the life of David and that, that he was a shepherd as Jesus would be the great shepherd, that he was born in Bethlehem, which would be the birthplace of Christ, <clears throat> that it would be through his descendants that the Christ would be born, that he was a king and the time of his reign was recognized as the zenith of Israel. Those were the best of times when David was the king. And although we see the faults of David and we see his imperfection, that in, his, in the fulfillment of God's plan, we would see the, perf the perfect king in Jesus Christ. So as we've gone uh, through these studies, uh, we've covered the early times of David and we talked about his birth in Bethlehem and his anointing at a young age to become the king of Israel when Saul was rejected to be king, but he did not immediately become king. And, but we see his faith in God demonstrated in his going out into battle with Goliath and how he referred as he went out in battle to the, how he had proven God's faithfulness to him in the challenges that he had faced in the sheepfold and in, in, in defeating a bear and a lion who came in to, uh, to take the sheep. And that God had delivered him there and that was by the power of God that he would win the victory over Goliath, which he did. And so we see the, the great faith that David had and how that gave him great courage to, to fulfill the role that God had called him to in being king. And then 
We see him serving in the palace for a period of time, and then we see Saul's jealousy as he begins to recognize that the one who's going to replace him is going to be David. And so he seeks to kill David. And so David is on the run for many years, and we see in that time that God is preparing him for what he's called him to be, to be the king. And the challenges and the hardships and the difficulties that he goes through. And through that time, we see God's faithfulness to him and his faithfulness to God. And even when he had an opportunity to take the life of Saul, he would not take personal vengeance, but recognized him as the anointed of God. And so he was faithful in heart to God through those times. And then through those times, we see the loyalty that was developed between him and the people. And we see the people who came out of Israel to follow David in this time of his exile. And the 600 mighty men who become his loyal followers for the rest of his life. And so we see all those things happen during that time. And then we see him finally ascend to the throne, the death of Saul. And that he is anointed to be king over Judah. And then there is civil war in Israel. And through that time, David becomes stronger and stronger. The house of Saul becomes weaker and weaker. And after seven years, he becomes Lord over all. He is king over all of Israel. And he unites the kingdom. And he restores the worship of God as he brings back the Ark of the Covenant. And he establishes Jerusalem as the capital city and the center of of religious life for the Jews, for the Jewish people. We see his enemies, God defeats his enemies before him, and there is peace and there is rest in the land. And then we see, we talked last time about his fall from the rooftop, that his his sin and the consequences of that sin that it brought in his life, from there really through the end that the sword never left his house. And there was a certain amount of sorrow that David lived with from that time forward, but Overall, again, David was recognized by the children of Israel as the greatest king of the, of their, of, of the monarchy of Israel. And so what we're going to do again is we're going to talk about the closing words of David. So, so David, as we get to 1 Chronicles chapter 28, David is in his dying day. So he's, he's approaching the end of his life, and he is weak. He's very weak physically, um, but he wants to... He wants to speak to all the people again. And there's some things that he talks, that he, that he says to the people and to Solomon that we want to take into account as we, as we close out this study of David that we can apply to our own lives in living, uh, in living a life of service to God. So it says, So David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and of the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and his sons with the officials, the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. So all of the leaders from all of the tribes and all of his military leaders and his mighty men who had followed him and his sons and all of the captains and they all are assembled there to hear David speak and it says and the king rose to his feet we find in this time that again he's physically he's weak and he's and he's he's approaching the end of life but he he stands and he stands before them and he begins to speak and he says hear my brethren and my people that i had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the lord and for the footstool of our god and he made preparation and had made preparations to build it so we see that What's on the mind of David as he's approaching the end of life is 
There was more I wanted to do for God. There was more I wanted to do in service to God. And what David's desire was, was to build the temple. But the scripture sure says, and David says, But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. So God says, David, you're not going to be the one to do this. And we won't go into the details about that. We know that David fought with the, the, the armies of Israel and much of what he did he was called to do by God and, and he, he did that faithfully in, in serving God. <clears throat> it says, however, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be the king over Israel forever for he has chosen Judah to be the ruler and of the house of Judah, the house of my father and among the sons of my father, he was pleased to make me the king over all of Israel. And so what David is saying is <clears throat> God chooses whom he will to, to do the tasks that he has called them to do. And so David said, it wasn't going to be my calling. It wasn't going to be me who was going to build the temple. God had another purpose for me, and that was to be king. <clears throat> God had anointed him to be king. He prepared him to be king. He established him as king. He, he gave him victories as king. And David was faithful in carrying out that which was, he was called to do. And, you know, that reminds us, too, that that has been brought out in lessons recently that, you know, we all have abilities that God has given us. And we read this in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And I believe Brother Franklin even used these, these verses last week. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Whatever God has given us as far as talents and abilities, Paul says, let us use them, whatever they are. Whether that's prophecy, you, you prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministering, let, it, you, let us use it to ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives, do it with liberality. He who leads with diligence, he shows, who shows mercy to do it with cheerfulness. So whatever abilities God has given us, don't, don't fret over the things we don't have the ability or the God-given talents to do, but whatever God has given us to do, that, that's what we need to do, and we need to do it with our might, as the Scripture teaches us, and that's what David is saying. It wasn't going to be his, his part to build the temple, but what God had called him to do was to be king. And God calls us to service with the abilities and talents that he's blessed us with. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. God has called us to service. God, is, God presents to us. There are presented to us in our lives at times, maybe every day, opportunities to be of service to God. Recognize those opportunities. Whatever we can do, do it, as, as David says, as the scripture tells us. David goes on to say, And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. So what David is referring to is back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 
when David announced that he wanted to build the temple and Nathan said, Nathan the prophet said, yeah, go ahead, get ready to do this. And then Nathan the prophet goes to God and God says, no, David's not going to do this. I didn't ask him to build me a house. He said, but this is something, I'm going to build him a house. That's what God said. And God goes on to say this through Nathan the prophet. When your days are fulfilled, speaking to David, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up a seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. David saw in, the, in Solomon his son the fulfillment of this, but much greater than that was the, the, the spiritual fulfillment that God was giving him, the prophecy that through his descendants would come the Christ that Christ would establish his kingdom of which we are a part of today. He had us in mind when, when he spoke of this. He had the, uh, us as people of God, as, as the children of God through Jesus Christ and in the kingdom of God. That is what he's referring to specifically in this, in this prophecy. In Acts, the second chapter, Peter confirms this and says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you as he's preaching the gospel on that first, on that day of Pentecost of the patriarch David, that he's both dead and buried his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So Peter was talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And he talked about a prophecy that was given about David, that his flesh would not see corruption. And, and Peter is making the point about this prophecy and how God was going to, through the descendants of David, bring the Christ, the Messiah, into the world, which he did in the Son of David and the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, therefore, back in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance to your children forever. So the things, again, that were on David's mind. Number one was, I want to do more for the Lord. I wanted to do more, but I did what God had called me. I fulfilled that purpose he called me to do. Now, Looking to the people, he says, the most important thing that I can admonish you to do is to keep the commandments of God. That's what's most important in this life. And, you know, his son Solomon would reiterate that in the book of Ecclesiastes when he said to fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. So, David, so Solomon would get that message. But that was his, his words to the people. And then he addresses Solomon specifically and he says this for you saw my son Solomon know that the God of your father know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts if you will seek him he will be found by you but if you forsake him he will cast you off forever consider now for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary be strong and do it so I want to just take a few minutes and talk about the things specifically that David said to Solomon. The first thing that he told him. So David, as he's approaching the end of his life, he's speaking to his son. And these are the things he emphasizes. Number one is know the Lord. Know the Lord. And, you know, sometimes that may seem obvious to us to know the Lord. 
But the Scripture tells us that most people in the world will not know the Lord, do not know the Lord. Um, to know the Lord is to know His Word. How does God reveal Himself to us? The Scripture says that nature declares the glory of God. The, 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 the heavens declare the glory of God and the, the firmament His handiwork. And so, you know, we can look about us in creation, as Romans chapter 1 says, and the evidence of God is all around us. The, the wisdom of God in the design of creation is evident to those who have eyes to see. But, but knowing that God exists is not knowing God. God has revealed Himself to us through, through His Word and through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, the, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The things that we have faith in God in, the things we understand about God are revealed to us through His Word. To know God is to know His Word. And to know God is to keep His commandments. That's 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 say, say, Now, by this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. How do we know that we know God? We know God. We know that we know God because we keep His commandments. How do we know His commandments? Because we know His Word. We know what His commandments are. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his words, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. It's very simple, isn't it? If we know the commands of God and we are keeping the commands of God in our life, then we can know that we know God and that we can know that we are in him. <clears throat> Paul says something else too. Paul says as Christians, he says, All who would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And Paul, speaking of himself, says that he knows God. He knows the Lord Jesus Christ because he knows his suffering. <clears throat> in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, Yet, indeed, I can also count all things lost for the excellent knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, to know Christ. He said, I count all things of this world but lost. All the things that he gave up to follow Christ, he said, all those things were but lost. For the excellent knowledge of Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then he goes on to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul is saying if we are Christians and we know Christ, then we are going to know the sufferings of Christ in our lives. If we are going to live faithful to him, if we're going to live faithfully in Christ, we're going to know the sufferings of Christ. For this reason, in 2 Timothy 1 and 12, Paul says, writing to Timothy, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Again, talking about the knowledge of Christ and the things that he received in Christ and the eternal life and, and that we have in Jesus Christ. He said, he said, for this reason I suffer these things as a preacher of Christ. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know the Lord and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. <clears throat> Paul knew the Lord. Paul knew the sufferings of the Lord because of his because he followed the Lord and he kept his commandments and he was true to the calling which God had called him. 
And David tells Solomon, know the Lord. And he also says, and understand this about God. Know, know the Lord, Solomon, understand this. The Lord searches all hearts and understands the, all the intents of the hearts, of the thoughts. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you out forever. What, is, what did David say? He said, Solomon, understand that God searches the hearts and God knows our hearts. And all things are naked and open unto him with whom we have to do, as, as the New Testament tells us. He says, but you have to seek God. You have, to, you have to be deliberate in seeking God. In seeking God every day. It's not a one-time thing. We've, we've sought God. we found God. We're done. No, it's, it's a daily thing. As, as uh, Brother Ian talked about to us recently about picking up our cross every day and carrying the cross that God has called us to carry. That we seek God every day. And we... And Seeking God and gaining more knowledge of God and strengthening our relationship with God is an ongoing thing called growing. <clears throat> and he tells this to Solomon. Know the Lord and understand this. The Lord searches the hearts, and if you seek him, you will find him. That's what the Scripture tells us in the New Testament, too, in the book of Hebrews. For <clears throat> that... that how, how important faith is and that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Ongoing, with effort, with diligence, seeking God. And the second thing he tells Solomon, he says, serve God. He said, know the Lord and serve the Lord. Serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. <clears throat> Not because we have to be pushed to do it, but this is a willing mind. It's a willing heart. It's a desire to serve God. It's, it's of our own volition that we serve God with a loyal heart and a willing mind. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Serve the Lord. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What is our reasonable service? To give our lives in service to God. To give our lives a living sacrifice, to, to submit our will to God, to do what he has called us to do, and to take advantage of the opportunities we have of serving him, ever ready. He said, that's your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to be different. Be different from the world. Have your mind renewed by the knowledge of God, by knowing God and knowing his will and knowing his desires for you. And do not be conformed to the world, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may prove to the world what is the will of God. By what? By living a life that is conformed to his will. We are to be living proof. That's what Paul's saying is. <clears throat> living proof that you may prove through a life dedicated to God what is the will of God. You are called to be living proof of the perfect will of God. <clears throat> Consider your calling. <clears throat> That's the next thing David says to Solomon. Consider your calling. Consider now for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for your sanctuary. Consider the calling that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 says, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs and ours. So 
In other writings, Paul uses similar words, but he talks about that we are called to be saints. What does that mean? We're called to be saints. What does it mean to be a saint? It means to be sanctified, to set apart, to be set apart to the service of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we are called to be saints. We're called to be different. We're called to be sanctified in service, set apart to the service of God. David tells Solomon, consider your calling. We also consider our calling. 1 Peter 1 and 15 and 16 says, But he who has called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Be holy. God is, as God is holy, we're called to be holy. We say, that's hard for us. We're sinners. We are sinners. But we're made righteous in Christ Jesus, and we're to make every effort with a renewed mind to, to prove what is the perfect will of God in the lives that we live. <clears throat> and finally, he says, be strong and do it. That's not a Nike commercial. <clears throat> but it's pretty simple and it's pretty plain. <clears throat> he says, these are the things that you need to do, Solomon. And finally, be strong and do it. <clears throat> Matthew chapter, chapter 7, Jesus tells us, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, all will liken to a wise man who built his house on a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The Scripture tells us in many places, don't be hearers only, but be be doers of the Word, that we are called to be people of action. David made many preparations to make it possible for Solomon to build the temple. Jesus Christ has, has done many things for us to make it possible for us to be a, a fruitful service to him in the kingdom. And we, have, we are called to be people of action. And David said to his son Solomon, down in verse 20, the song that we sang this morning, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Be strong and be of good courage and do it. Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord your God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And isn't that promise the same to us today? That God calls us to be be strong, to be of of good courage, to, to not fear, but to do the things that he has called us to do, to do his commands, to be of service, to be of service to, to others. <clears throat> Through Jesus Christ. Thus David the son of Jesse reigned over all Israel. And the period that he reigned over all Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron. And 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. So he died in a good old age. Full of days and riches and honor. And Solomon his son reigned in his place. So in the parting words of David as we conclude. Remember the words of David to Solomon and recognize that the application to our lives as Christians to know the Lord, to serve the Lord, to consider our calling, to be strong, and to do what he has called us to do. And to begin that process, if you're here this morning, you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The scripture teaches us that to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must first hear the gospel and understand that he died for our sins, that he was buried and that he arose again the third day. And because of that, we can, we can have remission of our sins by believing 
that he has died for our sins and by obeying that gospel, by submitting to God's will in baptism to be buried with him in baptism into death, and to, to, to be buried with him and to rise again to walk in newness of life, to obey that gospel, to be born again into his family, with our, to have our past forgiven and our future secured. If we can assist you with that this morning or we can assist you with prayer in any other way, we would invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>